President Biden has vowed to improve veterans' access to health care, prevent veteran suicide, and specifically provide benefits to those exposed to toxic air while serving in the military. Nick Schifrin talks to the Veterans Affairs Secretary about those goals and how former service members have responded to the administration's efforts. Last month, the White House announced a new model designed to provide benefits to more veterans who were exposed to toxic air. Many of these veterans lived and served next to so-called burn pits, where service members incinerated everything from tires to batteries. Veterans groups argued the pits created toxic smoke that afflicted service members with higher than average rates of asthma, bronchitis, even cancer. But many veterans' claims that their illnesses were caused by their service have been denied. The man tasked with changing that is Dennis McDonough, Secretary of the VA. Welcome to the News Hour. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I want to be begin with some statistics that show the scope of the problem. Yes. Since the Gulf War in the early 90s, through this year of 1.31 million veterans who filed a claim for a respiratory illness caused by their service, more than 40% of claims were denied. That's according to internal VA data that we obtained. From the Gulf War through this year, of more than 111,000 veterans who filed a claim for cancer, caused by their service, more than 64% were denied. And according to VA testimony last year, VA has denied 78% of disability claims of toxic exposure from burn pits. Why so many denials? Look, you know, I, I, I look at the 30 years a little differently. This president, President Biden, is the first president in those 30 years to presumptively link certain conditions and begin paying benefits and providing care based on those that presumptive link uh, for veterans. Now, when you think about the number, we and the, the president announced in May that we'd cover three presumptions, conditions, asthma, sinusitis, and rhinitis. We anticipate 300,000 veterans will apply for those conditions. Already more than 7,000 have applied and somewhere around 70% of those uh, applications have been approved. I don't know if at the end of the day we'll be at full 70%, but the point is that it's long overdue that this gets done. This is the first president in 30 years to do it and we're gonna stay on top of it until as your introduction suggested, this is fixed. And to understand the problem, we have to diagnose it, though. If you could, why do you think this has been such a problem for so long? Look, I think that uh, people have been trying to establish a scientific connection to these exposures. And the uh, level at which you establish that connection is really important. But we've made a determination based on the president's guidance that, as with everything else we do at VA, we should establish a uh, threshold at which uh, your condition should be considered caused by your service, provided that it's as likely to have been caused by your service as by anything else. Your report for rare cancers is due in about two months or so uh, to the White House. Then uh, you'll consider a model for other illnesses, including constrictive bronchiolitis. Uh, how many veterans suffer from constrictive bronchiolitis, and, and how will they prove it, uh, given that uh, often it can only be diagnosed with a lung biopsy? A lung biopsy itself is so invasive as to be dangerous to the health, the health of the veteran. So we're coming up with new ways to do that. I don't know that they'll be ready then, but again, we want to establish the presumption if we can, 
and ideally we'll be able to do that without putting the veteran at further risk. In speaking to veterans groups uh, ahead of this interview, they say there's a perception born from the data that we looked at before that veterans assume their claim will be denied. How do you defeat that assumption? Look, it breaks my heart. And part of the reason that I wanted to come talk to you is I know that a lot of our veterans watch this program, especially you're all reporting on this. And what I'd ask our veterans is, please come to us, file your claim. The act of filing your claim is important for your claim, but it's also important for your battle buddies because we can use data analytics and data science to establish these connections in the hopes that we can continue to grant at the rate of 70%, which is when the experience since these three new presumptives for the first time in 30 years have been proceeding. I hope that continues. Let's move to veteran suicide rates. Uh, 65,000 veterans uh, since 2010 have died by suicide. That is eight times the number of U.S. service members killed in Iraq, Afghanistan, and the war on terror. One of the focuses of the groups working on this is creating a physical distance between any veteran having suicide, oh, uh, suicidal ideation and a firearm, physical distance mm -hmm. between the firearm mm -hmm. and that person. How do you do that? We're working uh, through two very aggressive public campaigns. One that says, don't wait, reach out. Come to us and we'll come up with a plan, even if you're not in a moment of crisis. The second one has to do expressly with firearm safety. And what we've said through a concerted public advertisement campaign on television, through social media, and then uh, through earned media like this, is we've said that moment of suicidal ideation can be fleeting. As difficult as it is, it can be passing. And so we want at that moment for there to be some distance between the veteran and uh, a firearm. So we have all sorts of established processes, including gun locks, that we have provided now almost 10,000 of them to veterans, to veterans' families, so that they can safely store their weapons. This is a very simple uh, step that we think that we can take. Uh, let's talk about your motto. Yes. Uh, let's take a, take a look at that right now. Uh, to care for him who have shall borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan. To care for him. There's a movement to convince you to change that? Will yes. You? It's not my motto. It's uh, a quote that goes back to the second inaugural address uh, for President Lincoln. Um, we'll change the motto. How we do it and when we do it uh, is going to be important most particularly the how we do it. We're talking to veterans now about what their expectations are. I'm not a veteran myself, okay? And I'm also not among the fastest growing cohort of veterans, women veterans. Uh, so we're talking to veterans, including women veterans, about their expectations. Uh, when that process is done, then we'll make some announcements. But just to be clear, you are determined to change it so that it doesn't just It's not that him. I'm determined to change it, it's that I will change it. And finally, I want to show you uh, a photo to, to end on. Uh, I want to show you Major Ian Fishback, retired veteran of Iraq and Afghanistan, blew the whistle on detainee abuse in Iraq. He struggled with mental health and, uh, health and eventually a court uh, ordered him put on medication, placed in an adult foster care facility, and that is where he died in mid-November at the age of 42. His family was trying to get him help, including from the VA. What do you think his story says about how this country treats its veterans? My heart breaks 
for major fish back and for his family. Uh, we became aware of the circumstance that uh, Major Fishback was in. It was not what we call an enrolled veteran, uh, but a lot of that stuff, you know, um, doesn't really matter at the end of the day. What I want is for all of our veterans and all the veterans' family members to know that we're here for them. So please let us know when you're in a time of crisis. Do you think he fell through the cracks? Do you think you fear others? are falling through the ground. I mean, we're working to get to the bottom of precisely what happened uh, in the, the case of Major Fishback. Uh, as I've said, my heart breaks for him. Um, I think the family is aware of how strongly we feel about this, how strongly I feel about this. Um, do I think other veterans have fell through the cracks? Until we're at zero veterans' suicides, I will think that veterans are falling through the cracks. We owe them much better than that. And that's what we're going to do. Dan Sfugnana, thank you very much. Thanks, Nick.